In a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie and you're listening to Some Kind of Brown, a podcast about mixed and multiracial life, current events, and ways to build the best life by a southern girl who's trying to figure it out for herself. This is going to be the last part in this little series with Soph from Asian Soph. We're going to start off a little heavy with the missing gaps in our educational system, especially when it comes to Asian Americans and Japanese Americans, and then get a little more lighthearted talking about crazy things people have said to us. So I hope you enjoy. brought up that you're kind of like the ambassador for Japan when you're here in high school when you like you have history class anytime slavery was talked about or anything to black people everyone in my class would turn around and look at me and expect me to either know or have something to say did you have experiences like that in high school I knew that's exactly where you were going because every mixed (laughs) every mixed person dealing with white people have to go through that to be completely honest with you and it's kind of like, all right, let's let's everybody calm down. We can all have opinions on slavery without us looking over here at, at Natalie. Like, let's take a chill pill. I also got the Native American stuff, too. So when they did talk about they helped the pilgrims grow corn and then jump to the Trail of Tears. Oh, God. Head swivel. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's kind of just like, and that's how we know history is not real. But yeah, you got the really great points in history. Do you remember learning about Asians in American history? And as far as American history goes, I don't think Asian Americans get the greatest spotlight. The only times I can remember hearing about Asian Americans are the railroad, which was not a great time for Chinese Americans. Nope. And then the only other time you talk about Asian Americans is, oh, hey, the Japanese bombed us and then we put them in internment camps yeah if if you even get to the subject of internment camps but most of the time you talk about pearl harbor and that gets amped up and then we're like and then we dropped the bomb and the war ended and it's like hmm okay that's interesting because i don't remember it like that and honestly you don't learn about a lot of racism that asians experienced in america as well like i'm sure a lot of you don't know this but dr seuss actually made a lot of the propaganda cartoons Oh my god, the incredibly racist and terrible propaganda. No. Yeah, I went through a anti-Dr. Seuss phase. He actually, I think, wrote the Lorax as an apology to Japanese Americans because of how heinous... Oh, really? It, it was something like that, but it was supposed to be an apology to the Japanese Americans for what he did because I think he realized how awful... It's honestly, Google right now Japanese American discrimination during World War II and just take a little trip i'm scared (laughs) yeah no it's completely awful but the sad part is you don't learn about asians in american history yeah i took ap us history and so we got to talk a little more in depth and i don't know if a lot of people know this but arkansas actually had one of the japanese internment camps (laughs) throw up yeah it did yeah So we had one of them. So I know that a lot of schools around the States don't actually cover that, but we do. And I had a 
crazy, crazy APUS history teacher, but like crazy in a good way. He would assign reading. I will never forget. We all walked in the class one day. He sat down, said one word, and never said a- another word the rest of the class because we were supposed to discuss. He goes, okay, you're the president. Do you drop the bomb on Japan or not? Can I actually just shed a little bit of light on that real quick? Sure. But right before they dropped the bomb... We should stop saying the bomb because they actually dropped two. You're right. You're right. Uh, one in Hiroshima and one in Nagasaki, three days apart. And we just celebrated. Should I say celebrated? We just had the anniversary of both of those bombings. In mid-August, we always um, commemorate that. Um, I live in Boston. Thankfully, there's a large Japanese community here. And they actually had a monument ceremony to that, which was really nice. And float these paper lanterns on the water. And they're actually, they're like lighting the way to the ancestors. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. For the ancestors to go to, yeah, to pass on. Every year in Hiroshima, they ha- actually have the same memorial. And I've actually been to the A-Bomb Museum in Hiroshima. And it is, if you ever go to Japan, that is something you need to see. Because they do not talk about what exactly America did to Japan. They destroyed whole cities and destroyed generations of people. Like pe- People had flesh melting off of their bodies. And it would linger for generations to come. Leukemia would flare up mm-hmm. and other internal diseases would happen. But a lot of people suffered very severe burns and lost limbs children became orphans like it was a lot like if you need movies to watch you can watch grave of the fireflies you can watch uh in this corner of the world both on netflix it's a very sad time a lot of people were very poor a lot of people lost everything that they had you know america did this not on one city but on two and there was actually several people who were victims of both bombs because a lot of people in hiroshima fled to nagasaki to be bombed again oh i didn't know that Yeah, the repercussions of that were insane. And the biggest thing was America did not properly translate a message right before they dropped the bomb. So they mistranslated a message that they took as no from the Japanese, which was really, and I know this won't sound like a difference to you guys, but to the Japanese, it is a difference. Or for anyone who understands how Japanese language is, it is a difference. It was more like right now we are going to be silent. And it's like kind of like silent treatment at this moment and mistranslated that as no. Okay, let's drop the bomb. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yes. And then on top of that, history does not talk about the multiple air raid attacks on Japan and on their civilians. I think there's just a lot more education that needs to be made around that because there's a lot of people that need to be saying we do not need nuclear weapons because I run into a lot of ignorant people who are like, yeah, well, we dropped the bomb in retaliation for Pearl Harbor. And, and I'm not I'm not saying like either side was correct in either thing that they did, but it was war. But you need to understand nobody knew what kind of technology atomic bombs were. Right. I believe Einstein even said if he could have foreseen Hiroshima after the bomb, he would have torn up his formula. Yeah, I, I did see him saying that. And honestly, I do think it was overkill. That was a little traumatic day in history class but I really wish people saw a lot of the aftermath we were shown films and even the people who were sick and survived that seeing the imprints of people who didn't yes was absolutely horrifying. At the A-Bomb Museum, they actually have a before and after. And Hiroshima was beautiful and it was green and it was thriving. And this one bomb flattened nearly everything and made it disgusting and made it brown and made it dead. 
The only structure left standing is something called the Genbaku Domu, which is the A-bomb dome. And that's where the actual A-bomb museum is. When you go to Hiroshima, it's the only structure. And it's literally just the structure of the dome. It's not the actual building. I have no words for how that makes you feel. It's a heartbreak and an anger on a level that you can't you can't fathom and put into words. It's like going to the Holocaust Museum. I, I wish there was a lot more education in that. And unfortunately, a lot of the American education system is like we did these great things and we saved everybody and you never talk about the impact it had in Japan and we never hear about the internment camps and what it was like living there and people who died there and what happened after like these people had to go back to their lives and deal with the ostracizing that they had in their own communities they had to pick themselves up and rebuild their lives no one ever really talks about that Every Okay, so for those of you who don't know, the Japanese-American communities got rounded up and herded like cattle on like actual like cattle train cars to random internment camps around the country. And some of them were actually also in South America too. America basically put them up at these camps with very little medical supplies, horrible food, and they were surrounded by barbed wire and caged in like animals and treated like they were nothing. These were American And it all started with a Japanese registry. So that's why Japanese Americans are against Muslim registries. Yes, it honestly isn't a stretch to call them concentration camps. Because if you look at World War II and how everything started with the Jews and then how they were treated in concentration camps, I'm not saying that the internment camps turned into Auschwitz, but the conditions there were horrifying. People didn't have medical supplies. A lot of people died from pneumonia. If, mm-hmm. if one person got sick, it spread to the entire camp and people were not concerned about their well-being. Exactly. And these people lost everything they lost their family heirlooms they they could only bring what they could carry they lost their businesses that they worked so hard to build and on top of that before that they were facing extreme xenophobia there's a book that i read in fifth grade for a book report called a jar of dreams by i believe the author's name was yoshiko yuchira and it talks about the japanese american experience i remember distinctly this one part where the protagonist was talking about this billboard outside of her neighborhood that said Japs keep moving this is a white man's neighborhood and then there was also another sign that said keep moving Jap laundry this this neighborhood isn't for you or something like that and so in the newspaper there was whole news stories about how to figure out the difference between a Chinese person and a Japanese person. Oh my god. The xenophobia that Asians have faced in America is not talked about and I do encounter a lot of problems where people think that we're just making things up or they don't believe us. Unfortunately it's because we have been silent and we've kind of just taken it and I've seen my dad have a lot of experiences that I was kind of like what the hell? And he didn't think anything of it. You know when you come from another country or something like that or you're first or second generation you're a part of that generation when your parents are like you need to work hard and prove yourself you need to work hard and prove yourself and that's the immigrant mentality anything that's happening they don't want to use it as a crutch or use it as an excuse so people don't talk about it but that has only hurt our community because now we're completely almost left entirely out of history books like you said i don't think people know that chinese laid the majority of the tracks um of the railroad in this country and i don't and they had a huge part in the gold rush and there was also chinese I hope they know that. 
Oh, a lot of people don't. Girl, I have yet to meet, like, you're probably the first person I've talked to that actually knows about it. That's terrifying. Yeah, no, it is. It's because you don't learn about that stuff. And then about the Chinese lynchings, like, no one knows about that. People don't talk about that. And I am looking at some of this propaganda now. And doesn't it make you want to just rip your eyes out? You know what it reminds me of? The U.S. is, as a country, is very young. And unfortunately, America seems to be on this broken record. So you saw these kinds of depictions back with Native Americans. When Native Americans were the big bad evil, you saw the same kind of depictions, the same kinds of signs that Negroes aren't welcome here. Negroes go somewhere else. This is the Negro fountain. You saw that with black people when they were the big bad other. And then people think that the big bad other in America stopped with African slaves, stopped with African Americans, but all it did was shift. You had the same thing going on with Chinese Americans when they came. This is the same rhetoric used now Japanese immigrants that we're talking about. And it's now being used against Muslims. So literally, we just repeat ourselves. That's why it's important to talk about this history and our communities need to be vocal. And I'm so proud that the Asian American community is becoming more and more vocal and being like, no, we're not going to sit down and take this. You guys do need to know that this happened. And we are going to talk about it because I'm tired of seeing it happen. But that takes all of us. It's honestly what non-white group is going to be vilified and where but anyway wow we really went off on a tangent just now we did but i think it was an important tangent to have because these kinds of experiences i've heard them called these cultural wounds that are passed down they affect our worldview and they affect how we as mixed people also identify ourselves when you're when you're rediscovering these things in your identity when you're young and especially when you're in high school and when everyone turns their head and looks at you when they talk about your culture and maybe i struggle with that more than others yeah no for sure because you have to be like what is my place in all of this what does this mean if you're like you know me and you never learned about people like yourself you're like where really do i stand in this and i have to do all of my own outside research about all of this why isn't this being taught is this not important enough you just start questioning yourself and you and and you don't know how to form your own identity and that's a very difficult time because you start you know the hormones start kicking in and you're trying to figure out who you are and what kind of person you want to be and what do you like and what do you not like and you you hate everything about yourself or you love everything about yourself it you go through all of these ups and downs and trying to figure out your own identity especially when it comes to race is so thrown in your face because you know people are probably like oh what are you oh what are you and you're everywhere you go you're always reminded that you are not the quote-unquote norm which is you know your white girl or your white boy whatever it is I was stopped in the mall one day by two guys. Like I was a teenager with with my friend. We were just walking in the mall and two guys beelined towards us and said, it wasn't, what are you? It was, where are you from? Yeah, exactly. And I said, here, I'm from here. And they said, no, 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 no. Where are you from? Like the change of tone is going to change. And I was like, no, I was born in that hospital in this city right here. And they're like, okay, okay. But where are your parents from? Oh. 
that's the honestly the worst yeah where are you from that's like what do you mean where am i from like just because i don't look like your normal ass white person your basic ass white person i am suddenly this foreigner it's like you're always one or the other and i think people need to re really rethink these questions that they're asking people because what are you and where are you from are two questions that quite frankly i think everybody in the mixed community is tired of hearing elaborate what do you mean what do you mean what's my ethnicity what's my zodiac sign like am i a vegan like (laughs) what do you want to know about me saying where are you from implies that you already think i'm some sort of an outsider right and it's crazy when they ask you before they even speak to you like if they had spoken to me this is my accent where do you think I'm from? (laughs) Exactly. Speaking of crazy things that people have said to me, you want to know something what this white lady told me like fairly recently? Oh no, I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) So I get it. If you think I always get a lot of people comment on the way that I look, a lot of people tell me they think that I'm really pretty, but a lot of people use the word exotic, which I'm not a fan of. I don't think any mixed person is a fan of being called exotic, but some white lady was talking about how she had to go to the bathroom. And I was like, Oh yeah, I feel you. I've been holding it this whole time because I was at work and I was like doing something. And she was like, well, you shouldn't even really have to go because and I was like what and I was like use the bathroom and she was like yeah he's huh? like she's like because you're so different looking and I was like wait I shouldn't have to go to the bathroom because I'm so different looking what I know like I still don't even know what it means it's like that people don't I know don't what to say I don't girl like if anyone like SOS like can you please contact your aunt Kathy and ask her what the hell she meant by that I don't even know Like a lot of black celebrities will talk about the weird things white people say to them. Like, oh, I would have voted for Barack three times or I've seen Black Panther or just like things that you're like, okay, that's nice. Like they're trying to identify with you. And I think she just didn't know how to identify with me. And so she was just like, you shouldn't have to go to the bathroom. It doesn't make any sense still. Again, someone get their Aunt Catherine, but I don't. I don't know. I'm confused. Speaking of also crazy things people say to you, every Asian goes through exactly what I'm about to say. It's almost like our quote unquote, like awful Asian rite of passage. But people will be like, do you eat dog? Or like, if there's a dog in the room, be like, don't eat it. Oh, yeah. Um, any like eye slanting gestures, like, you know how there used to be a lot of like word games growing up? One of them was to like pull your eye up and you were like, my mom's Chinese and her eyes look like this. And then you do your other eye and you're like, my dad's Japanese and his eye looks like this and you pull it down. And then you're like, and this is what my parents did to me. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yo. Everyone like did that to me. It was so weird because my dad always told me I had big eyes because proportionally I do have bigger eyes than like what a quote unquote Asian person would have that I still have the shape and I don't have a monolid. So I always get told how big my eyes are. It was like always weird because I was like to be told that and then people also doing like eye slanting gestures at me. It was like, wait a minute, what is everyone saying? Like any like ching chong, what am I saying? Am I saying anything? Because apparently all Asians are Chinese in America. Uh, Ching chong, I don't even think is anything in either Mandarin or Cantonese or any of those dialects. And I also get a lot of you're so pretty for an Asian. And honestly, I just posted a Facebook status about this just because my it's just so weird. Like people just say the weirdest things to Asian girls that they're trying to get to know. But let me give you guys some tips on some things not to say. Don't say you're so pretty or cute or beautiful or hot for an Asian. I've dated a insert 
any Asian ethnicity here before, and I like Asians. I've never dated an Asian before, but I've always wanted to. I didn't know Asians were into, like, insert anything that's not anime, K-pop, or, like, hibachi. Oh, my and, God. And, like, wow, you must be so different. And Or, like, Asians are so exotic, speak your language. Let's, like, not say any of that stuff. I would like to second that, because some of those actually cross over to me, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, just... Just stop saying weird things to people when you're trying to relate to them. I don't understand what that's about. And then, like, if you stand up for yourself, people are like, but aren't you white, too? And I'm like, okay, you only want to recognize that when you see that I'm getting upset at what you're saying. That's not, like, your scape. That's not your crutch to say whatever you want to me. And a lot of people always say, so... There's a Chinatown in Japan. And whenever I tell people that like, oh yeah, we I went to Chinatown on this day if I'm talking about my trip, everyone, a lot of people always say, and it's not just white people, okay? My Hispanic and my black friends, like y'all are not exempt, exempt from this. A lot of people say, why don't you just go to China? It's right there. <laughs> That's like saying me living in Boston, oh, I'm not going to go to the bodega. I'm just going to go take a trip to Mexico. Like what the hell? Get it together. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. I mean that's a, that's a definite plane ride right there. Yeah. Maybe a ferry. Yeah. Maybe. It's insane. Like people are nuts, but yeah, or they're like um or they're like oh, are you Chinese? Everyone just defaults and thinks every Asian's Chinese. I'm like, "No, I'm Japanese." And they're like, "Isn't that the same thing?" And I'm like, "Let me tell you Dominican ass you're the same as a Guatemalan and let me see what you say." Oh my gosh, they they have a cow. Don't give me that they're the same nonsense. It's a different, I'm like, no, it's a different country. And then people are like offended that you're like offended at their ignorance. And I'm like, uh, you need, you can have several seats and just get out. That is one of my pet peeves. When you stand up for yourself and you correct people on their ignorance, their racism, that they're being rude towards you. And then you're upset and they're like, no need for you to get so upset about it i just said this i know and it's like i'm sorry that this is my everyday life that i have to explain who i am all the time i I think that's just the big thing is mixed people don't want to always feel like they have to explain who they are and why they're there and it's just uh, so much and people always just say weird things i don't think people quite are understanding how the interaction works or how to identify with somebody without being really weird when it comes to trying to do that so that they end up just saying weird things. I'm trying to think of any racial group that people interact with well in America. And I don't really think there is any minority group that people know how to navigate. And that's such a sad thing. Well, I think that says a lot about our history of our country. We're supposed to be this like melting pot of diversity here. And I mean, you live in an all white town. So I guess that's basically i mean i live in boston so it's different it's the city so there's lots of different kinds of people here but the whole country isn't a whole diversity situation and we're still dealing with a lot of i'm the token asian this is my token black friend this is you know i'm sure you guys Mm -hmm. had a lot of that where you grew up especially so we definitely did at something strange happened in high school where it was kind of cool to befriend the foreigner or the minority person yeah no for sure yeah so in the in the city i grew up in i grew up in a city called cranston right outside of providence 
and they had Cranston East and Cranston West. I lived on, I lived in between. I was one of the East Side kids, and so there's a lot more diversity there. A lot, a lot more. I grew up in the middle, so I didn't really on the East Side was old money, and really on the West Side was new money. And so right in the middle was just where all of us colored kids were chilling, you know? East, there was a lot more diversity, so it was different. But West, you could count the minorities on two hands. Like, it was insane. And all of them were, like, the most popular kids in school. Uh, yeah, that's it's kind of how that went here, except it's more, the more downtown you are, the more diversity there is, the more around the lakes and the outskirts you have more money uh, unless you get too far and then you get into the country and then you reach a different demographic of poverty, it's pretty much the same. And I was a very obstinate, I'm still very obstinate to be <laughs> honest. So um, I knew what that whole popularity was about. And unfortunately, since I did go to the richer school, the kids of color who are popular were also rich, but I was the poor person of color. So I didn't. I wasn't very popular and I didn't want to be popular because, you know, you have that whole like counter popularity culture in high school. Mm hmm. Yep. It, it's very it's very strange. It was very strange growing up in that high school, in that environment. And I don't think people realize that those kinds of things still happen. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And you were talking about it, too, at one point. Segregation is still something we're still seeing the scars of that and we're still seeing it's, I want to say like it's children. You can still see people sticking with what it, it is more comfortable to be around people who are minorities. Like in college, like this, you walk into class, you see what color kids you got in there and I would go sit with them. Yeah. Cause you know, you're safe. With 100%. That group. And that's how the communities are here in hot springs. So we do have diversity, but the Vietnamese families, for the most part, they all stick together. They go to the same church, uh, for the most part, those who aren't Buddhist. They all hang out together. A lot of the Hispanic families know each other. They have restaurants, you know, stuff like that. They all find the place where they're comfortable. And I don't blame them for doing that. The self-segregation is something that has sprouted from actual segregation. And there are lots of wounds that still need to be healed in this country as far as that goes. 100%. And, you know, you can see the same thing, especially in Boston. Like, we have a whole Chinatown, you know, where I live in. I live in East Boston, right off the blue line, shout out. And it's mostly, there's a ton of Brazilians and a ton of Mexicans and Salvadorians around here. And then if you get into certain other cities, it's mostly white groups. So a lot of the cities like Malden or Everett or East Boston, they're all kind of similar demographics and a little bit more people of color versus other areas for example they're gentrifying east boston right now and so just the house right across from me just got gutted and renovated and they're renovating like every house like one at a time and the rent is skyrocketing they've already done that in parts of boston unfortunately and in surrounding cities and that's why there's so many pockets of diversity and then pockets of just straight white people because people who are affluent i mean it's not to say that there aren't affluent minorities because there are but majority of them tend 
tend to be not be people of color. Right. Yeah. And then the thing that's really awful about gentrification is this area is known for its amazing mom and pop owned food places. The culture here is so rich and there's so many places to eat and it's so good and it's all homemade and everybody's, you know, everyone's super proud. And that's going to slowly disappear with the whitewashing and the gentrification. Yeah, because it's going to push people out with all those the skyrocketing rent prices. Exactly. So... And then on top of that, there's something also called redlining, which is where, like, let's say I'm I'm trying to buy a house. Let's say you and I like live together. And we're trying to buy a house, right? And our real estate owner, our real estate agent, takes us together to certain neighborhoods. But when I'm by myself, will only take me to a certain neighborhood. But when you're by yourself, will only take you to a certain neighborhood to get houses. I mean, that happens. That's actually a a really, really hot topic down here because that still happens. It's not legal and it shouldn't be the case anymore. But sometimes when you have a neighborhood that is older money and then you have a person of color move in, they're worried about the real estate prices dropping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they might not show that person at house, or they might discourage them for living there. They're not supposed to do that, but you still have those kinds of practices still happening in the South. It's, it's just really terrible, but that's how that segregation continues on, and I think people just don't understand, because I have white friends who get upset when I'm like, oh, this area is not diverse, or I have something to say about it, and I'm just like, well, I know why it's not. Like, you guys want to tiptoe around this subject and not talk about it, but you and act like it's not always blatant, but a lot of it is blatant. And it's still what the scars left and the wounds left after segregation and, um, you know, the Jim Crow area, the Jim Crow era, and from the lynchings and from the Harlem Renaissance and from slavery and from all these points in history that have played a role in all of this. People act like, you know, just because we popped out of the womb that it refreshed everything, but it didn't. Yes. But that is a, that's an important tangent that we just went off of. Yes. And while we're on that tangent, um, there are a growing number of mixed and multiracial people in this country. And with all of these scars, with all this history and the things that we've gone through, even in our generation, what are your hopes for the future? We have a lot of people talking and finally speaking up and trying to claim a place and more mixed race activists, if you want to call us that, talking about these things. What do you hope for in the future for us in this country? Honestly, we just need more representation, whether it's in media, whether it's, you know, on the big screen, the small screen, in books, more stories about us. But we need to be learning about mixed people, yes, and but also just learning about other cultures in general. Like we just talked about this huge gap of history that's missing about Asians. And there's definitely not enough spoken about when it comes to Native Americans and when it comes to Blacks in this country either. Honestly, we just need to redo all of our history books, to be fair. But we just need more of that representation because we need to learn about people who are like us. We need to see people who are like us and hear people who are like us so that we can help form our own identities. And people need to stop treating us like we're less than just because we have something else or that we've ruined something by existing exactly you know there's no nothing about me that says that i i should be considered less asian than anyone else just because i'm also mixed with something else it just means i have this other culture that i am a part of that i know about 
but that doesn't mean I don't know about my Asian culture. And that doesn't somehow make me less Asian. It doesn't make you any less black. So people need to stop saying that we are tainted or we are less than just because we have this other perspective. It almost, you know, as my dad puts it, it almost feels like people are just frustrated with themselves and their own identities that they're just upset that somebody might have too. I think that's a really great point. And I think that if we can all learn about other cultures, if we can bring more awareness of other cultures, we can be more accepting of when they mix and where they cross and that become will become less of a big deal to everybody. Yeah. And then on top of that, like just less fetishization, like, yes, please. Yeah. Just, we get it. We look quote unquote different. You don't need to make it a, like the biggest deal in the world, you know, because then it just leads us back to the society that literally is only centered around looks and just the shallowness mm-hmm. of that. And then also with that, talk about the inclusivity. When we talk about mixed people, the automatic default is black and white. We don't talk about any other mixes. And you know, it's funny that we're bringing this up because I just noticed somebody posted on Mixed Present, one of the admins, and it's this post that says the mix plus what society says equals. So it says Asian plus Hispanic equals mixed. Yep. Black plus Asian equals black. Hispanic plus white equals mixed. Yep. White plus black equals black. Asian plus white equals mixed. Hispanic plus black equals black. It's a double standard. It's like people can be multiracial and there's this idea that you are what you look like. We, you and I could stand in a room, but society's like, oh, she's Asian, or I don't even know if people would automatically default to that all the time, but she's Asian and she's black. People actually very rarely label me as black. That's been a, a problem. Like when I got my driver's license, when I got my driver's license the first time, I was blonde. Actually, my driver's permit when I was blonde. And when I am blonde, I look white and very few people ever think I'm anything other than white. And they were very, people were very offended that I tricked them into thinking I was white when they found out I wasn't just white. Oh, wow. You, you know, I had to fill out your race on your, your driver's license and stuff. They didn't ask me. <laughs> the two people working argued with each other over whether I should be white or black. And I'm not biracial. I'm multiracial. I am almost as much Cherokee as I am black. And they sat there and argued, we can't put her as white. I mean, she looks white, but they literally said it would be like tricking people if we didn't say she was black. Yo. Because if you're part black, you're all black. Yo. Oh my God. I do not miss the South. Oh God. That's insane. One day I won't miss this South either. It's insane. It's insane. But yeah, just people always feel like they need to check off these boxes of what you are and it's it's just not important. Like we should make it less about that. But if we are going to be representing the mixed community, represent every kind of mix. Don't just represent one kind of mix, you know? Yeah. It, not every mixed person is light skin and has curly hair and green eyes. Like that's just not what every mixed person looks like. So showing what everyone looks like and celebrating what all of that is like, yeah, it's so cool to be multiracial. I'm not knocking that. Like I love that about myself. I love being able to be a part of multiple worlds and I'm sure you feel the same way, but mm-hmm the mixed community needs to be more supportive of one another. And I think what it's going to take is uh, conversations like what we're having now, where I bring my multiracialness to the table and you bring your mix, which is different from mine. And we talk about what that means. And the more we celebrate and highlight different mixes, I think the better it'll get. 100%. Totally agree. 
But I just wanted to thank you one more time for doing these episodes with me. You have been amazing, and I have loved talking to you. Oh, my God. I love talking to you, too. Yes, you can find me at Asian underscore Sofa on Instagram. That is my personal page. I post a lot of, you know, a lot of positive, uplifting stuff in there, but I do post a lot about politics and my opinions on things and a lot of social viewpoints on oppression and stuff like that. And I do also talk about different kinds of oppression, not just Asian on my page. And I also throw out pictures about my life every now and then too. I also admin on Mixed Presence, just spelled the way that it is. And I'm one of a few admins on there. We're all of mixed uh, multiracial backgrounds. And we just talk about what it's like to be mixed. We talk about multiple political and social issues. And we kind of have our hands in a lot of stuff. But it's mostly to celebrate being mixed. Um, but it, it's a page for everybody. So it's an educational page too. It's not strictly just about, look how pretty these people are. Look how pretty these people are. Because that's a lot of mixed pages, unfortunately, contribute to the fetishization of mixed people and we need to actively try to do a bet to do our best to stop that yes and if you guys want to support her on this page i will have links to these socials in the show notes on my blog somekindofbrown.com and you should check her out all are welcome if you're sad to see soph go be sure to check her out on social media I just want to take a minute to let you guys know that Some Kind of Brown is going to be moving to every two weeks, and if you're curious as to why, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Some Kind of Brown. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a rate and review on iTunes. It will be a beautiful ray of sunshine in my day. Thank you to Purple Planet for the use of their song, Love Life, and I'll see you in two weeks with some more Shades of Brown.